Bridge Economies, a podcast to weave alliances for economic self-determination. We're your hosts. I'm Kayleen O'Bray. And I'm Karen Swift. In today's episode, we hear about COVID-19 response efforts and effects on local indigenous agricultural economies in two very distinct regions, ranging from the central Andes highlands of Chiboleo, Ecuador, up to the high desert plains of the Navajo Nation. And yet, interestingly, we find similar underlying threads in both stories revolving around the revitalization of ancestral agricultural practices and the revitalization of barter economies, amongst other things. We first hear from Alberto Ainawano, a leader of the indigenous Quichua organization of the Andes region in Ecuador, Ecuarunari. We then hear from Denisa Livingston, a community organizer of the Dene Community Advocacy Alliance. We have very interesting conversations focused on recuperation of ancestral knowledge, strengthening of barter economies, trade systems, local currencies, and we look forward to this conversation. I want to note that our interview with Alberto took place in the initial response phase to COVID-19. He was actively organizing around COVID and food sovereignty preparedness, and as a direct result of his solidarity, he became ill with COVID. He looked into the face of death, was in a coma for two days, in the ICU unit for nine days. Thankfully, his story ends positively and is one of hope and resilience. We did not want to publish this interview until we knew that Alberto was recovered and strong again. Thankfully, Alberto is now fully recovered well and activated with even more energy than before to organize among the Quechua nations of the Ecuadorian Andes. We now take you to the interview. Bueno, mi nombre es Alberto Ainawano Ainawano. Soy Quichua del pueblo Chibuleo. De la My name is Alberto Ainawano Ainawano. I'm Quichua from the community of Chibuleo. I'm the coordinator of the indigenous organization representing all Ecuadorian Andes nations. Since this pandemic has broke, we have worked hard to maintain the security of our community. We have held meetings with all of the community authorities to share information about COVID. We decided to close our community access points, leaving only one principal entrance open to avoid contamination from people going to and from the city. Since then, we've been pushing community barter systems, and for the first time in decades, people are bartering agricultural products, and we now have established a community farmer's market. People trade their potatoes for rice, oil, mayocos, and Andean tumor, pigs, sheep, and other goods. Community trade is now stronger than it has been since the time of my grandparents. We have had road blockages up to, pro- to prohibit the entry of products from the coast given the high rates of COVID there, and thus encouraged entirely local trade. While this is a strong positive side effect of the crisis, I won't deny that people have lost their investments. In our community, we mostly grow potatoes, fava beans, carrots, and strawberries. Producers normally invest about $1,000 into their plots of land. It has been difficult because people haven't been able to sell products to recuperate this investment. 
people cannot maintain this investment only through trade. So we are trying to organize to find better market opportunities for our products. We have slowly been opening to sell with security measures. We have seen the economic losses from agriculture to local crafts producers. However, the health of our communities is more important. Yet every problem has its upsides. We have realized that we can focus on doing business in our own community through trade and with other local communities. Seven communities around us have pushed for community trade systems, which have finally been strengthened after decades of not being maintained. During this emergency, we have been able to barter and sell among our own communities as brothers and sisters. We're going to maintain these trade markets into the future. We have been able to return to and strengthen trade and barter once again. Our grandparents traded with Otavalo, located in the state of Imbabura, a few hours away. They would trade agricultural products for the Otavalan artisanal crafts, such as blankets, shawls, and woven goods. So now, after more than a century, we have reestablished trade systems, starting with our own communities, and with a plan to reestablish and maintain trade with other communities and nations. We would like to eventually begin trade with Otavalo once again. We are now walking in the path of our ancestors again, who only cultivated organically and whose principal economic activity was trade. We are now working on bringing awareness to our community members about organic Andean agricultural practices to revitalize these systems that are no longer widely practiced. We have lots of land and can take advantage of the land we have to cultivate. Our community members have been growing potatoes only to sell, but now with the pandemic, we are realizing the importance of growing much more for our own consumption and maintaining our own plots, called chakras, with a wide variety of foods. And we want to grow more of our medicinal plants. We have heard of, of a few cases of COVID in a nearby community, and the two women cured themselves using mayoko leaves and other ancestral plants. We also realize that we have many other market opportunities if we organize and focus on direct sales. Members of our community traditionally have gone down to the Mayorista market and sold their goods at unjust prices. Now that we have organized within our communities to have our own crop collection centers, we can, as a community, focus on direct marketing, as opposed to individual families taking their crops down to the city to sell to intermediaries. Prior to this, we did not have crop collection centers established in our own communities. We have the opportunity to expand organic practices, use internet technology to market or trade products, and market as communities. Now we are more conscious of all of these opportunities. After all, we have the right to our own government. During these times, we have also helped out with communities on the coast sending truckloads of potatoes and agricultural goods. We want to think about an initiative, speaking with different councils. Today, COVID-19 has, as a side effect, raised awareness of not only cultivating to sell, but to grow much more for our own consumption. We also want to grow more medicinal plants. This time has been excellent to raise awareness and work with the communities, not just to sell potatoes, but to work on our own chakras, the small plots of land, and continue to raise awareness about diversifying products for our own use. Additionally, we also now see the opportunity to focus more on organic production. Big supermarkets such as Supermaxi and Mega Maxi want organic food. There has now been an opening to connect with community producers. Intermediaries pay the price of a stolen chicken. They don't pay fair wages. They usually buy products and turn around and double their profits. We want to set out our own distribution centers. What have we learned from this time of COVID-19? To set up our own distribution centers, focus on organic production, and utilize technology and the internet to strengthen sales and trade systems. 
The Mayorista markets are privately owned market sales and distribution centers. We can set up our own and not have to sell to the Mayorista markets. We have to keep working with our with other communities. We have to continue to connect and see what products other communities have and work on trading with them. Also during this time, spending all this time in our own communities, I really realize how much potential for community ecotourism there is here as well. We have survived for 500 years. Bueno, más de 500 años de, hemos vivido en la opresión. After 500 years of oppression, it is the reality that we have stayed alive in community. These 500 years have been difficult, but we have to continue to work onward. My parents in their 70s are illiterate. Now we have our rights. I'm an engineer. Members of our, of our communities have gone to the best universities. But the collective way of being and the community-oriented way of thinking, how do they think? What is their mindset? One can have the best university title, but if you do not know how to think collectively and for the community, then what is that good for if you have lost your collective cultural values? We have to revitalize our appreciation of working the land, but with a dignified price for the foods we grow so that our communities live well from our land. We have to utilize our ancestral Andean technology, our medicine, our crops. We have always cured ourselves with our ancestral plant medicines. We have what we need to live well in our communities. Today, the panorama of our cultural system has changed. With this quarantine, we realize how much we are all contaminated in our everyday lives. We have to change our economic situation with farmers markets, trade, and barter markets. Una feria comunitaria dentro de la comunidad, dentro de cada una de las comunidades. Ahora con esta pandemia, we have not had aquí, our own barter markets in our own communities. We also want to focus on direct sales of our products. We are now designing a new economy. We have to maintain this new economic way and focus on community workshops to recuperate ancestral knowledge about cultivating without pesticides, recuperate our own seeds, and share these practices with our communities. Corners of the world, how are people coping with COVID? We sat down with Denisa Livingston, calling in from the Navajo Nation where she works and lives. With over 100,000 people living on the Navajo Nation, access can be a real challenge. Access to roads, water, and with a history of underfunded healthcare facilities, access to hospital beds and ventilators. We wanted to understand the challenges taking place and the kinds of currency that are needed for building community resilience. Denisa serves as an organizer for the Diné Community Alliance and as the Slow Food International Indigenous Counselor of the Global North. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Denise Livingston. I am here in the New Mexico part of Denetka, which is the Navajo Nation um, in the southwest area of the United States. I am a community health advocate here for my people and also indigenous people 
in the rest of the U.S. We have the highest infection rate in the country, and it has been challenging as we know that we're placing the pandemic on top of the epidemics and on top of these challenges that already existed that now the world is finally experiencing what Indigenous communities have been experiencing. As of June 30th, the Navajo Nation has seen over 4% of its population affected by coronavirus in a place that covers about 25,000 square miles, about the size of West Virginia. Denise's community near Shiprock has been working in the currency of food and seeds to help provide people urgent needs. So we asked Denisa, what can Indigenous knowledge teach us about traditional ways of talking and thinking about economies, especially in a time like this? There is the narratives in the mainstream um, society that, you know, that the American dream um, has been something, you know, that has radiated through throughout you know, the world. Um, but, you know, from the Indigenous perspective um, in, in teaching about financial education, we're having to go back um, to when the first contact with, with money and currency have existed, but also what, what people's experience have been with with money and currency and the understanding of it. And we've had to start with food um, because food was our currency um, way back and still is to this point when people are trading, when people are growing, when people are coming to the farmer's markets and when people, you know, are trying to navigate during this time when there are um, no physical dollars available that they're having to learn about the traditions, but also practice um, ways to survive. And so at this point of where we are, and where we're going as we look at the economy, as we look at where our people will be, it is a dire need. It is um, an exhaustive um, time um, for people across um, the world in, in indigenous communities that need help more than ever. As we come and talk about the responsibility and stewardship of where we are and where we need to be, it is a time, and we see that now even more importantly, about the need to partner, the need to ally, the need to be an accomplice, the need to be an advocate together. And that is going to have to take resources. It's going to have to take um, all of us to come together to understand the problems, to understand the undercurrents, right? And Many folks want to to speak about the explosions or the headlines, but not understand why these problems exist and where that they come from and why enlighten and empower and also educate those that may not be where we are. As we know that we are all in the same storm, but we are in different boats. And some of those boats are less equipped. Some of those boats are more than equipped. And are we equipping all the boats to survive and go through the storm together and have um, the supplies and have the resources and have what it takes to go through together for us to go through the storm and come out, you know, as one, as come out, you know, um, equipped and, and come out even stronger than, than before. Are we going through these times of addressing that? And when it comes to philanthropy and speaking to funders, speaking to 
those that may not understand what it's like to be in a boat that is less equipped or just minimally equipped, um, we're having to share the narratives that need to come from our own Indigenous people. Um, we see a lot of narratives out there that are not authored by Indigenous people, that are authored and also um, showcased and featured on behalf of Indigenous people. But the true narrative and the authenticity and the ownership of who we are and what we're going through has to come from us to better understand those undercurrents and to be to be able to be better equipped to go through the storm and 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 finally um, create a space and a place for folks to connect to one another and funders to the to the people and to to bring the local to the global lens is having to navigate these channels and even in this podcast and even in conversations like this, you know, asking one another, taking the pulse check and temperature check, you know, virtually and saying, how are you doing? What's going on? How can we better understand? How can we better equip you? How can we, you know, move forward together and help um, educate those that, that need, you know, to be enlightened or need to understand the true narratives? What do we need to do? Are there tools? Are there um, platforms that we need to create. And I know that there's an um, abundance of webinars and maybe podcasts, but connection and building those relationships is essential as we know that we've been advocating. Um, it's not just charity. It is about solidarity. So it's not just giving um, money and gifting money, but it's building relationships as we know that we would like to maintain these relationships even after um, COVID as we know that we are on you know, planet A, that we only have this option of being on Mother, Mother Earth at this time, and we're going to have to navigate together, and how do we do that? And so in solidarity to build um, new alliances and as well as... Um, either create organizations or scale impact through the um, alliance building and expanding through this channel of building relationships is something that um, is a part of our culture as we know that um, everything is relational and everything that we do, you know, has has that human side, has um, the heartbeat, has um, uh, the life that is is in all these entities around us, whether that's in our plants, whether that's, you know, in, you know, the organisms that are in the air, the water, but even in organizations that we know that the lifeline of it is, is based on relationships. And so as we point to, you know, what are the solutions and what are the opportunities? There are plenty of things that we can do and that need to be created or even supported and scaled at this time. Wow, these are both really great interviews and so thankful to Alberto and Denisa for their words and for their time. You know what really struck me was how uh, this reframing seems to be happening and and the importance around how we're looking at alternative currencies and going back to collective thinking. And I think that's something that Denisa really articulated in her interview. And what stuck with me is, is, you know, how we're looking at currencies, how we define it and how it's important to look at 
alternate ways of valuing um, both, you know, partnerships, relationships, and time that goes beyond how we're currently doing it. Because I think, you know, we're, especially in the COVID times, it seems that there's a lot of revitalization happening around these collective practices and, and steering away from the more individualistic um, operation that used to to take place to a more collective way of doing doing things. Yeah, that exactly was what really struck me was the ways in which communities are moving away from that pervasive individualism and really going back to revitalizing collective practices, which is no easy thing to do from one day to the next. And I'm left thinking about um, wondering what practices the communities are maintaining to move away from the individualism and not just say, okay, the, the pandemic is over and now we're going to go back to individual families going down to the marketplace and selling, but actually maintaining the distribution centers and actually maintaining these collective practices, which are there and remembered, however, not actively practiced or haven't been practiced until this time. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know how to support these practices to, so that they can continue on and how to, to develop the partnerships and the relationships and, and really understanding um, what, you know, other communities are going through. I think the analogy of, of the boat and understanding, you know, how are other people's boats being equipped? Are they equipped? And how can we continue, you know, maintaining support for, for others to, to thrive during this time and not just in a way that feels, you know, like it's, it's a, a reciprocal partnership, really. I mean, I think that's what it is a, is a big highlight that came out for me was how do we go into partnerships in a, in a good way and in a way that's, that reflects that reciprocity. That's just so vital for, you know, for many indigenous philosophies and perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a Quechua word, Aini, which means, reciprocity and solidarity and that makes me think about all the work being done in many communities in the Andes down here to revitalize Quechua as a language as a cosmology as a way of interacting with the world and just all of the different cultural values that come across with the use of the Quechua language and yeah listening to both Denisa and Alberto really make me think about, for example, as someone who wants to be an ally, accomplice, partner in supporting communities toward further economic self-determination, um, thinking about what what does that look like? And then listening to Denisa talk about the importance of really listening, being present, um, understanding the community and the needs of the community on a deep level level not just kind of this superficial, okay, here, we're going to come and give you a loan, even if it's a zero interest loan, but like really being committed to the long-term self-determination and thinking about just ways to kind of bridge those connections. Um, that's, that was powerful. And then of course, going back to just maintaining real economic value and what barter economies look like, not that extractive, um, situation that we've seen, but actually 
you're trading one product for another product and just thinking about how can we really uh, shift this economic system that has become normalized. It's been normalized to extract as opposed to um, stand in solidarity and really think about reciprocity and think about kind of mutual prosperity. I agree. I, I think thinking about mutual prosperity is a really powerful way to look at it also and something that came through in both the interviews and I think something to kind of to think ahead in the future on how to, as you said, maintain what we're seeing being revitalized and coming back into the norm. How do we normalize this way of thinking? And I think that's the challenge that we're, we're going to continue facing. Yeah, definitely. And just to go back to economic fundamentals from a community perspective, like what, what does a flourishing economy look like from a community perspective and how can external partnerships collaborate in strengthening that local flourishing economy where there is no leakage, where there is no extraction, where everyone's in it for the collective because we are part of that whole. Right. I mean, that's a really great point. And I think despite and, and in spite of these interviews, I feel like I'm leaving inspired to think about how we can continue supporting and how we can continue thinking more collectively. And I think it's a really powerful thing to, to return back to ancestral ways and to figure out how we can move forward uh, with, with those ancestral practices. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to think about and a lot to, embody in moving forward with these relations and strengthening connections and really seeing how these practices can move forward in these barter economies. I think with that, I just want to put gratitude out there to Denise and Alberto for sharing their stories, to you, Kaylina, as well, for, for your thoughts and sharings here and to all of you listening in, thank you for listening in. And we invite you to join us again for the next podcast as we continue to dive into some of these issues um, all around strengthening Indigenous economic self-determination. Thank you. Thank you.